0: Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1 800 858 858. Jasper Chaloper, one of our favourites on the overnight crowd, he's from the inner sanctum, joins the programme. G'day, Jasper.
1: Glad we weren't talking yesterday, Heater. I was a bit down. Uh, we'll get into it, I'm sure. But I'm feeling a bit better today, and uh, ready to actually actually talk
0: about it and discuss my feelings. I'm <laughs> sure every day you get uh, further away from it, it'll become easier to talk about. But it was, yeah, so close, and so. But we will get it, uh, to it shortly, Jasper. We'll start with the Australian Open, uh, possibly one of the greatest Australian Opens ever. Wraps up. Uh, we'll start with Ash Barty, of course, probably the headlining act across the whole tournament. Defeats Danielle Collins in the final. Pushed it for the. Well, she was pushed for the first. Time in that second set, but just too much class as uh, Ash becomes the first in 44 years and the second First Nations player to win the Australian Open.
1: Yeah, and that second set comeback was, you know, it was truly special, wasn't it, Eden? um It felt like, you know, a few of the moments in the Olympics were similar. It felt like a really uniting kind of moment for, for the nation. Uh, you know, we had, you know, 3.5 million tune in on, on a Saturday night to, to watch on their telly, but I'd, I'd guess that number's actually um high i think it it peaked at you know something like 4.2 or something but you know the amount of people watching it in pubs clubs um you know around around the place uh i think that would have been a very very high number um absolutely blew the uh men's final out of the water in that regard but you know ash is absolutely untouchable right now um she has the the best weapon in in women's sport right now with with the slice backhand uh and she's you know one of in one of the biggest women's sports across the globe, tennis, she is so far the best it isn't funny. So, you know, what she's doing right now um, in such a large player pool is um, pretty incredible. She hasn't, she hasn't dropped a set since her first match in 2022. She's got the two titles already. Um, she's cemented her number one spot for a very long time here.
0: There's talk of Ash uh, even lighting the flame at the 2032 Commonwealth Games. I think that's at the very least of what's on her upcoming event sheet after this performance.
1: Yeah, I'd say it's the 2022 Commonwealth Games uh, heater. I would yeah. hope,
0: but,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but right. yeah, absolutely. That's that's the very least that you can expect. Um, 2024 Olympic Games as well. Um, yeah, flag bearer, I think, would be on the on the cards too.
0: And how about this for a game? Rafael Nadal. He's down two sets and three two in the third. Who knows where he finds it from for the comeback? And uh, down the long promised next one in Daniel Medvedev in an absolute epic. Did you make it all the way to the end?
1: Yeah, it was a late one, especially on the east coast. And uh, but no, my my whole house was screaming <laughs> all the way through for about five and a half hours or whatever it was. In the end, you know, down Rafa, down two sets, and the break in the third. Um, How is the heart of this bloke, thirty four yeah. years old? You know, coming back from a pretty serious foot injury that you know he he did consider. Um, You know, where his career was at at this point. And to get that 21st Grand Slam, um, ironically, with no no Novak here in Australia, um, he's, you know, undisputably the the greatest of all time uh, men's tennis player, because he's got more Grand Slams than the other two in in the top three. (laughs)
0: Purely uh, facts based there Uh, Not sure if we'll ever uh, match the amount of Aussies in finals At the Australian Open like we saw this year The next being the men's doubles Where Kyrgios and Kokanakis clash with Ebden and Purcell Both on and off the court as it turned out But the Special K team able to take it out in straight (laughs) sets
1: Yeah, I think they're great for doubles And um, obviously Purcell had a a different opinion on that Um, So did Michael Venus uh, a couple days beforehand Um, But I thought, you know, on the court uh, after Ash, they won this the right way. They took it very seriously, Kokonakis and Kyrgios. Um, Edgerton and Perseille were brilliant as well. It was, it was a tough, tough match. And, you know, they're big servers. They kind of do a similar thing to what the Special K do. But uh, I think, you know, these two guys, Coconucs and Kyrgios, can genuinely win Grand slams all over the place. I think they should be the favourites for Wimbledon with their serve and volley kind of approach, um, their ability at the net. Uh, I, I kind of did a deep dive into what they, you know, what makes them so good and, you know, they're, they're the best service in, in doubles tennis without a doubt. You know, they have as much um, talent as anyone on the single tour, let alone the doubles tour. So I think they could, you know, if they wanted to, they can make a real big fist, fist of this doubles thing.
0: Yeah, just following on with the special case, uh, you wrote a terrific article on the team with some strong arguments on why they won't just be a flash in the pan in your opinion.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it does go back to their server. It goes back to what they can do at the net. I think Kyrios, if he had, you know, a better movement around the court, he'd be the best server volleyer of our generation. Um, but what, what they're able to do as, as a team, uh, their chemistry, they obviously love each other, they're best mates. Um, and they, they take it so seriously on the court. You know, they have some gimmicky stuff. They, they get the crowd involvement and, you know, then they get angry at the crowd and it's all juxtaposed and whatever. But, uh, I think on court, when they take it seriously, they are unbeatable, uh, basically, in doubles.
0: Dylan Alcott, uh, Australian of the Year for 2022. Here, unfortunately, he goes down in the hunt for his eighth straight Australian Open, going down to the second seed, Sam Schroeder. I think we talked the uh, day before the match last week. Uh, Sam also bested Dill on the way to winning the doubles title, but what a career from Dill, on and off the court.
1: Yeah, he looks um, absolutely spent out there yeah. in the second set, and who, who can blame him? Uh he's you, you know, accepting his accepting his Australian of the year award on the Tuesday. Uh it, he's got more important things to do in his life now with his with his disability advocacy. Um he's already a legend of Australian sport and he's transformed the, the perception of disability in sport for, for regular Australians. Um for him to be playing on Rod Laver Arena where he should be, you know, he did all that kind of stuff. You know, he put it to the forefront of people's minds. He's got it on national TV. Um, so, you know, what he's about to do, not just on the court, but now off the court, um, he's going to be a marvel. And hopefully he continues with this with this broadcasting opportunity because he's also great to listen to and he's just a, a super brilliant tennis mind as well.
0: So looking back on all of that evidence uh, sort of listed there, plus, you know, the recovery from the Novak unpleasantness to begin with and the good times that we ended up with, was <laughs> this the best Australian Open ever?
1: Well, it was it was the most drama to yeah. say <laughs> ever. There's you know there's things that mar it and, and detract from it. I think you know just the Novak palaver all all up. Um, I think some of the crowd stuff was not on. Uh, I think you know it was taken too far a little bit. I'm I'm a big fan of uh, you know you know getting more crowd involvement. I think you know etiquette can only go so far in tennis, as with every other sport. So I think we should have more crowd involvement. But there's also a level of respect and etiquette that you need to adhere to, especially, you know, during serves and stuff. But that's not what you're asking, Heater. I think it was <laughs> the best open ever. Um, it, it proved that it's not just about the stars. It's about the competition, the camaraderie, um, the grandeur of, of a grand slam, the history, um, and then, you know, the elation of, of just, you know, a random court 14, I watched Seb Corder, one of the up-and-coming guns in a five-setter against Quarantine Matu, and it was one of the great, spectacles in sport it was me and 300 other people just watching a four-hour slog in you know 35 degree heat and these two men would not give in and that is the the kind of stuff that the Australian Open delivers every single year and they just did it as well as ever this year I thought you know having the winners having Grand Slam winners all around the place that we absolutely adore and love I think it was the best Australian Open ever.
0: All right, I uh, appreciate you uh, answering that question for us, but uh, we can't avoid the next one, unfortunately, Jasper. We'll move over to the NFL, and our listeners know that you're a Forty Nine ers fan. And well, sorry, but they've been vested by the LA Rams twenty to seventeen. It was an unlikely path to the Super Bowl for your boys, but they kept on grinding, and we're in this to the bitter end, almost.
1: Yeah, we did so well to get in, and you know it was slightly fitting that the Rams got us into the playoffs in that Week eighteen clash, where they somehow bottled it to, to let us in. Um, So the Rams were the ones to take us out of it as well. Uh, It was a a cruel way to lose. We were being up the entire game, unable to execute them. We were challenged. Um, Joukowsky-Tart, not to name names, not picking that ball from Stafford when he threw it down the field straight to the safety. Uh, We had consecutive three and outs in the fourth quarter. Uh, Drops, overthrows, picks, offensive line collapsing, secondary collapsing, uh, you name it; it was, it was happening in the fourth quarter. We absolutely could not execute anything down the stretch. Uh, but credit to Stafford, credit to Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, uh, Von Miller made a huge play. Aaron Donald made a couple of big plays in the fourth quarter. They, you know, they executed down the stretch, which is what we couldn't do. Um, and you know, absolute kudos to them because uh, the Rams are very deserving of, of going to the Super Bowl. They beat the Bucks, they beat the Niners, they beat some really big teams. They're, they're very deserving of, of going to Super Bowl Fifty
0: Six. Jimmy G, uh, a man I've described as uh, being unable to dodge a piece of criticism in his life. He finds it again <laughs> at his feet after a pass from himself, hits the hands of a receiver, and then it is intercepted. Is this the end and bye-bye for Jimmy G and the Niners?
1: Yeah, well, look, you don't use three first-round picks on a quarterback to, to move up in the draft, to be a quarterback in the top five, just for him to sit there for two years. It, it, Trey Lance uh, has done his experience now. I think it's time to watch Trey area flourish. Um, him... Yeah, his running ability with the run game that we already have, his movement in the pocket. We know Jimmy G has some pretty wooden legs. Um, the, the dynamism just with Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel, it will be absolutely potent. I think we have the best roster of talent outside of the QB right now in the league. I think Debo's the best offensive weapon in the league, uh, doing it without you know a great QB like Stafford. We saw. I think Trent Williams is the battering ram. He's the best um, PFF. Uh, stats guy in the league, so you know technically, uh, a stats would have him as the best player in the league. The the left tackle, um, Nick Bosa is the pass rusher. Fred Warman is a line linebacker and and the captain. There's absolute stars all over the place from 49 it 's just not in the QB position right now. <laughs> um, so I think yeah, Jimmy G, he has to be out this offseason. I'd actually I throw it to you, Heater. We've got a fair few um, suitors, I reckon. So. Uh, you pick one of the bunch here. I'll, I'll give you a few uh, teams. We've got the Steelers with, yeah. with no Big Ben anymore. Mm-hmm. We've got the Broncos and, and Locksucks. We've got the Giants. They don't trust Dan Jones. We've got uh, Washington, the Panthers, uh, the Lions. They, you know, they could all be upgraded with Jimmy G. Who do you think could use him?
0: it's hard because I speak to other people and they're such a big fan of Jimmy G. And then, you know, I, I speak to you and uh, you, you have you have your reasons for not, not being a fan of him. So it really is hard to tell whose um, sort of system would be best placed to drive with him because I, I don't know, I sort of do like the guy, but then as you say, he gets out there, the on-field on performance just is lacking. And I mean, we keep looking at how the 49ers, you know, get to this point when it doesn't feel like they're, necessarily a good team you know they're a good good team it doesn't feel like they're great but they're still getting to these performances and these opportunities in the postseason but as you say they haven't had someone in the QB position that has been an out and out star basically he's had good efforts he's had great performances along the way but not who you're looking for so yeah, I mean has he lost do you think he's lost value as well since he walked in the door at the 49ers
1: well I think he gained value with um, a couple of the wins that we actually got I think there's no doubting that um, just as a, a game management QB, he's outstanding. Um, he's really unselfish. He doesn't want the ball in his hands all the time. Uh, so, you know, there's absolute positives to Jimmy G. And I think he can make the the throws while he's not being pressured. But um, I think it's clear to see that he's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And mm. the 49ers have a Super Bowl winning roster outside of him, in my opinion. So, Uh, I don't think this is the place for him but I do think that he has a role to play in the NFL and he's starting quality although you know maybe in the bottom half of that starting quality tier in the NFL so I I think I'd like to see him at the Steelers to be honest no Big Ben but they have a pretty good roster and you know they're going to be challenging for the playoffs as they always are Um, I think he could come in and he'd be an upgrade to what Big Ben provided this year and they could you know they could they could win a playoff game next year with with
0: Jimmy J, hmm. I can uh, I can uh, picture that one, Jasper. On the other side of uh, the uh, conference championship weekend, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl after defeating the Chiefs, yeah. one of the most comfortable teams in the conference champs. Uh, they climb off the canvas from twenty-one to three, losing the overtime coin toss, and still grinding out the win, twenty-seven to twenty-four.
1: Crazy. Yeah. Well, uh, what, what do you reckon the Bengals were paying to win the Super Bowl at the start of the season, Hira? I've got the number in front of me.
0: I actually did see it. I think it was like it was it was over 125 or something like that, wasn't it? It was more. Was it was around Good.
1: there. Yeah, about 150 to one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they were to win the Super Bowl wow. and the you know 32 team competition. That's pretty high. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, we saw Mahomes have a pretty terrible second half. But I thought the Bengals, you know, their coaching was absolutely brilliant. They made Mahomes beat him by you know beat them by. Yeah, just taking the safe options, throwing it down, uh, maybe to the running back more often, all that kind of stuff that Mahomes doesn't want to do. And we, we saw it during the regular season. He doesn't want to play the safe options and, and just pick up chunks of yardage. He wants to go for the home run players every now and again. And that was the downfall of the Chiefs, as well as you know a pretty terrible defensive performance in the second half as well. Joe Burrow is approaching legend status already. He's 23 years old or something. He's he's got the Heisman. He's got the national championship. Can he get the Super Bowl? He'd be the first player in the history of um, football to, to do it all to do all three, and he could do it within three years. It's an absolutely insane run. Um, and then Evan McPherson, their kicker, the rookie. Um, he's the next Justin Tucker. Lock that in.
0: Yeah, he's uh, well and truly uh, paid off in them uh, drafting a kicker, as they uh, want to do, and tell us on social media when we see them uh, have wins the Bengals. So Super Bowl Fifty Six, Rams v Bengals from SoFi Stadium, and I mean, I mean, questionably the best part as well. Dr Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J Blige, and Kendrick Lamar all performing during the halftime <laughs> show. Undoubtedly, it's going to be a time. <laughs>
1: That's going to be so much fun. And so far, such a beautiful stadium as well. I believe the, the cheapest tickets in the nosebleeds are reselling for about six and a half grand at US Ouch. dollars right now. Right. Uh, which is an absolute bargain if you ask me.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm on the Bengals. What a story that would be. I can't quite support the division rivals in the Rams. They have all the big names. You know, it would be beautiful to see Stafford win one after you know, coming across from the Lions, not winning a playoff game. Odell Beckham after what he dealt with with the Giants and the Browns. Uh, Von Miller getting another Super Bowl, being an AFC champion and an NFC champion, that's pretty huge for him. Mm. And Aaron Donalds, well. you know, Super Bowl's probably the only thing he doesn't have right now because he's an absolute star. But I think the Rams, you know, the Niners nearly beat them. As you said, the Niners, without without a great QB, they, they don't seem like a fantastic team. Mm. Um, I think the Bengals can expose the same flaws that we exposed with their defense and their offense. I reckon the Bengals were a really good chance here, Hita.
0: All right, I reckon they're into it. Uh, yeah, up to their necks as well. And uh, just before we move on from NFL, just quickly on Tom Brady, a uh, bit of a shrug, but has he retired or what's going on? It's pretty unclear.
1: I've never seen Chef to be wrong. He's <laughs> yeah. as reliable as Woj and Shams in the NBA spheres. Um, and to, to see him be wrong, and I think he's standing by the story, which is interesting. Hmm. Um, I think I think Brady, you know, I think Brady deserves you know, a victory lap, as we saw with guys um, in the NBA like Kobe, rest in peace, and uh, even Paul Pierce. So I think Tom Brady deserves uh, that kind of recognition from every single place that he visits, all, you know, eight or so um, away venues, as well as, you know, the games that he plays at home next season and hopefully another football Bowl. Um, appearance as well. I think he deserves all that. I think he knows he deserves all that and he can go around one more time. I think he will. I think he'll go around one more time.
0: Oh, huge. I uh, heard it here first. All right, let's move to some MVA. Uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, we'll start off with some bad news and Joe Ingalls, you absolutely hate to see it. We hoped it wasn't as serious as it looked, but yes, it's that en- uh, season-ending uh, injury, unfortunately. It complicates matters big time for himself as he's coming out of contract and his age and for the team who have to make a business decision, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's
1: a heartbreaking uh, story for him for it to happen right now. Um, as you said, it does complicate, complicate a lot of issues. There's huge repercussions. But I um, had a story out on the Sanctum today, kind of assessing what's next for him. Obviously, you know, you've got the ACL repair coming in the next couple of weeks. They're waiting for some swelling to reduce in his knee before they do that. And then the recovery is going to take, you know, a big chunk out of his 2022 23 NBA season. So that's half of that season out, you'd, you'd expect. Um, and as you say, he's out of contract with the Utah Jazz. He's on that, you know, fat 12 million a year paycheck, but that's all done now. He's 34 years old, approaching 35. Uh, the good news, um, is for the boomers, a bit selfishly from my point of view. Um, the 2023 World Cup, that's in August, so he should be back for that. And then obviously the 2024 France, uh, Paris Olympics, he won't miss that either, um, uh, which is fantastic news, um, for the boomers, but, he's jingles has spoken about retirement before he's 34 years old um but there's also a lot of upside here there's a there's a silver lining and i think he will be you know there's no short of shortage of suitors for him on the open market as an unrestricted free agent he could ring ring chase on a on a veteran minimum still get his 2.5 million us dollars a year which is pretty handy he could go to the warriors he could go to the bucks um the lakers imagine if he went to the nets <laughs> with with Paddy Mills, <laughs> heater. Uh, I think he's not, he's going to have his choice of team to go to, which is you know a huge silver lining for him.
0: Well, I mean, if, if we could go even a step further, and uh, yes, and to that, uh, Jasper. So we get uh, Joe to the Nets, and then somehow maybe James Harden gets extracted out of the Nets over to the 76ers. <laughs> ben Simmons moves over to Brooklyn. We've got ourselves a bit of a, an Australian triplet playing for Brooklyn, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm just going too far into this, maybe.
1: That would be a genuinely special situation. And may, yeah, maybe we can get Aaron Baines back in there. They need a big man. And the story coming out of the US from Brian Windhorst, um, I recommend everyone reads that from ESPN. It is uh, a story of, of human triumph and what he experienced um, with his injury in Tokyo uh, was you know, absolutely brutal. But to see him out in public life again, to see him on social medias and all that kind of stuff is fantastic. And he's making a comeback. He's going to try his hardest to get back into the NBA. If he could find his way onto the Nets with, as you say, Ben Simmons getting there somehow, Joe Ingles, Paddy Mills, imagine that.
0: <laughs> oh boy, that would be a dream. Uh, as has Josh Giddey. Uh, he certainly is in some dream form at the moment. Uh, the Thunder have uh, Shay Gilgis-Alexander out, so more time on ball and usage for Josh. He starts with a double-double, which means that he passes Russell Westbrook's uh, rookie record at OKC. Also becomes the youngest player to reach 500 points, 200 rebounds, 200 assists in 45 games since LeBron James. Oh boy, the Thunder by the way, one by over seven by seventeen points over the Trailblazers, and they snapped a seven game losing streak. It's pretty impressive stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's very handy um that they snapped that, that losing streak because they are on a big skid. They're now, I think, the fourteenth team in the West. But that's not the point. Uh you know, Josh, Josh has been unbelievable. Um, and as you say, you know, breaking records that you know LeBron has set and then you know doing stuff that nobody in the in the game has done since you know LeBron in 2003. Uh, you know when you when you're talking about those two in the same sentence, he's doing something pretty special, and we're seeing it right now with that usage rate. As you say, Shea has that ankle injury and he's out, um, and Josh with the ball in his hands, facilitating the the offense for 32, 35 minutes a game, uh, is actually really beautiful to watch. And they they had a big win today, and he was a huge part of that. Doesn't have a, a great supporting cast around him Around him, we know this. Lou Dort is standing up hugely, um, but Giddy, uh, as the the pick and roll ball handler, um, he's a top ten, fifteen guy in the NBA right now at what he's doing with the ball in hand at the top of the key. Makes the right decision every single time. He finds his own shot when he needs to. Um, at nineteen years old, he this we're we're <laughs> watching one of the great careers in Australian basketball history unfold before us already.
0: Cannot wait to uh, yeah keep on watching because I mean every game it feels like you are just notice the growth and he still just looks like he's not moving that fast but he just cuts through everyone so easily yeah. and he's just under there and he's just up yeah, no worries I'll just pop it in for two and just uh, get back down on defense I love it
1: and yeah and it's it's what we've seen with Jingles over the years yeah. uh, the NBA consistently trends towards these explosive you know powerful athletes the, the best athletes in the world playing the NBA. Joe Ingalls looks like he could just play at a random, you know, Melbourne court. Maybe Fitzroy High School at 7 p.m. like me every Tuesday night. <laughs> um, he he literally looks like he could play, you know, wherever <laughs> in the world because you see him against the level of competition and he's just outperforming him you know, consistently. And that's what we see with Josh Giddey right now. He moves, his own, moves at his own pace um, and he makes it work every single time.
0: Steph Curry uh, back maybe with forty points. His sixth uh, forty point game of the season in this uh, one twenty two to one hundred eight win over the struggling Rockets. To be fair, so a pretty good team to run into if you need to get back into some form.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, twenty in the fourth quarter. know, yeah, that's going to do his <laughs> conference the world of good. He's, you know, he's starting to pull up from distance. Um, he had that one. I don't know if you saw it, but he beat Jason Tate in the tip. And then ran ran around a couple of screens and um, put a, put a three up and, and it just dropped in and you know those kinds of plays, the highlight plays, the moments where maybe it's not the best shot to take, but he's taking it anyway because it looks cool and he can hit it. You know, and he's hitting them again. So that's great news for Steph. If we look at the MVP race, hopefully it gets him going a bit because he's a little bit off that MVP race right now with with Giannis and Embiid. But I think Nikola Jokic, what he's doing right now, Hita. I think he should be the favorite. The Nuggets on a big win streak. I don't know, won eight or nine in a row now. Look at these numbers he's putting up. 26.6 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists. He's shooting 60% from the field, 43% from three, 88% from the line. He's nearly at a 60-40-90 club, which is unbelievable. And he's one game off the fourth seed with no Jamal Murray and no Michael Porter Jr., Yeah, this has been, um, you know, he won MVP last season and his numbers are so much better this year uh, and it's so much more impressive what he's doing. He's, you know, the best player in the NBA right now.
0: Yeah, I would uh, agree on that one. Uh, We did joke about Ben Simmons earlier, but he still is locked up in Philly. There was some talk of the Kings being keen, but then they backed off. But uh, as we said, he might be held on to purely as an asset uh, to try and get James Harden out of uh, Brooklyn to Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, no suitors right now. And uh, I do think the, the James Harden one's a little bit of wishful thinking. Nah. Um, not too sure that Harden and Kyrie see two dissimilarly over there. Like, you, know, you make it work if you have three stars of the caliber of those two and KD. I just think you make that work. And if Harden leaves that, then I think he's the problem because we saw him leave OKC. They you know nearly made the finals, um, didn't quite have the success with CP or Russell Westbrook in Houston. And now, you know, the Nets are struggling a little bit. I think they're the sixth seed in the East right now. And the Hornets, they're breathing right down their neck in the seventh seed. So, <laughs> uh, you know, right now, I think, you know, Ben Simmons has just burned $35 million. We know that. And nobody is winning in this situation. And um, he's not going to get traded at the trade deadline. I'm pretty sure of that now. Woj is pretty sure of that. So, um, he's you know, wasting the entire season of his prime. And he's wasting the entire season of Joyland Beach prime as well, which is pretty disappointing.
0: Speaking of Philly, uh, they outlasted the Grizzlies in overtime today without Joel Embiid as well. Uh, Tyrese Maxey stepping up with 33 points. Ja Morant did his all on the other side of it with 37 points. Uh, took the blame after the game as well for not getting it done for the team. Not his fault in the slightest, but what a great game and what a great little vein of form that he's in.
1: Yeah, it was beautiful to watch Matisse Stiebel on Ja Morant. Um, that was, you know, absolute must-watch TV this morning. And uh, at the same time, the biggest, you know, winner in the silver lining of this Simmons situation is the player Tyrese Maxey as a point guard, the starting point guard for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, and he's been absolutely amazing. Uh, no Joel Embiid in this one, who's you know, the MVP favorite according to the bookies right now, but the Philadelphia 76ers still got this got, got this job done through Andre, Andre Drummond, which was a really good pickup in the off season. Tobias Harris had a good game. Seth Curry is just a fantastic role player, but Tyrese Maxey versus John Morant was fantastic to watch um and you know it was absolutely a privilege to watch these watch these two young guns go head to head like that um and two very good teams right now so uh that was a, that was a great game to watch i highly recommend the highlights from that one in in an overtime win the the Philly uh the Philadelphia 76ers get that job done John Morant on the other end had 34 odd points and and is just as explosive and dynamic as it gets um in the world right now i think he might be the biggest uh, ticket in the NBA He's fearless um, He's still a kid But he's an MVP Smokey And it's the polar opposite situation To what Zion's going through Right now For the Pelicans He can't get on the court I doubt he plays this season At all um, John Morant well, What he's able to do For his team A, a growing team Right now as well I don't think there's a better ticket in the NBA right now, Heder.
0: Yeah, I would agree on that. And uh, if I can, um, this is purely based on vibe. Uh, so just, you know, w- whatever you're reading around the teams uh, in the league at the moment, who's rising and who's falling uh, across your sort of vibe check?
1: Well, the, the Grizz have been the big risers. And um, we, we've known this for probably the last two or three weeks, but, you know, they currently, they're on track to have a, a home playoff um, series, which would be absolutely massive for Memphis. Uh, I think you know the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're eight and two. I believe in their last ten, um, they've been absolutely amazing with Darius Garland. They're on track right now. They're ahead of the Milwaukee Bucks in the fourth seed right now to have a home playoff series, oh. which no one could have expected before the se- um, the season started. I think uh, there's a few teams in the East who are going to make their moves in Toronto, uh, Boston, and Atlanta. I expect them all to be playoff teams by the end of it. They're all currently sitting in the play-in with the Hornets, um, but uh, I think the biggest uh, drop so far, we've seen, and you know, through no fault of their own, a lot of COVID protocols and injuries. The Utah Jazz are going to have to do it without Joe Ingalls now, but they are 2 and 8 in their last 10. They've lost their last five. They're really struggling. They're just hanging on to the fourth seed. Um, just behind them is the Denver Nuggets. I think uh, the Utah Jazz are in a little bit of trouble right now.
0: Mm, that'll be one to watch, won't it? Unfortunately, with uh, yeah, Joe going down, and they've fought through so many injury battles themselves already this year and uh, had you know players off court, but this might be the uh, final one for him. Uh, Jasper, thank you so much for the time and the efforts on the overnight crowd once again, mate. We'll uh, keep up with your work at the Inner Sanctum. Always a pleasure, Hater. Take it easy, Tom. That is Jasper Chalupa, one of our favourites from the Inner Sanctum, joining us on The Overnight Crowd. Uh, any thoughts out of our chat with Jasper right there? 0433 98 11 16. It is The Overnight Crowd on SEN. Paul Heath behind the wheel. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll be right back on The Overnight Crowd just after this. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp.